actually preach, and she, you know, she, she's, she's this awesome. Yeah. And we, I wanted to do this before we have our next week's sermon, because we're actually starting a really cool sermon series about it, but we'll talk about it later. And what she talked about last week was the beginning three points of seven things I hate about you, and who is saying that? Satan. Satan is saying about it. So Satan actually hates things about people. And we wanted to highlight seven of those things. And so if anybody can remember maybe some of those things, and you know, the people that were here, you can go ahead and raise your hand. And then for the first one, if possible. Um, the call that he has in your life. That's good. We weren't even here. <laughs> oh, it's here. No. Now, you see, that's good. The call or the plan. So that was the first point. Satan hates about you. Satan hates the plan on your life, the purpose of your life. And so... You know, obviously the devil's going to try to take that away from you. Okay, so the second one, if anybody knows that, not Julio's hair, I know it's beautiful, but... <laughs> okay, so um, the second point was when you submit or surrender to God. So, you know, the devil does hate it when you submit or surrender to God. He does not want you to do that. He doesn't want you to, to be humble and to, you know, admit your faults. He wants you to always be prideful and always walk away from God, be stubborn and whatever. Anybody know the last point? Um, that when you know the truth? When you know the truth, amen. Okay, cool. So that's the third point. When you believe truth. So those are the three things. When you submit to God, when you uh, the plan and purpose of your life, the devil hates that. He also hates when you submit to God, and he also hates just in general. When you believe the truth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? God, uh, God. The devil wants you to actually just really, genuinely, just believe in lies, believe in whatever it is that it is, because the Bible says that he's the father of lies, that his native language is lies. Can you believe that? That's, that's revealing. So, now, continuing on with that, I have the four points after that, and I'm telling you guys, it's important to listen to these things, so if you have, like, notes and all stuff, you can take them down if you want to. But the fourth, the fourth point is, and I actually want to now switch it, and I want to like, use Satan's words kind of in a sense. So the, the fourth point is, I hate it when you believe I exist. So, what does that mean? Like, like the devil hates it when... Believe, you know, I believe that he exists. Well, you see, the thing is, a lot of people don't want to believe that actually it is the devil who's making people do things or whatever. But you might think to yourself, oh, it's just the really hardcore wicked that are doing it, like, oh, Hitler did it, you know, Stalin did it, you know, uh, Coney did it, you know, things like that. Everybody wants to naturally assume that the worst people are the ones who are really super evil and all that. Not necessarily. And so, you know, the devil wants you to, to actually just be away from the thought that he actually does exist, that he actually is the one who's originating, who's you know, like going after people, who's actually trying to destroy and kill their lives and steal things from their lives. And so if you guys can turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, and if you don't have a Bible, I'll just read in a few seconds, but 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And it says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist them, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. So the first thing is, now, what, is, what does Peter want to say to you guys? Well, be self-controlled and alert. Guess what's happening? There's a devil out there, you know, use the analogy of a lion. He's crawling around there. He's, he's wanting to be sneaky in your life. He wants to not let you know that he's actually there. He's being in stealth mode. So he's going to work through things that maybe you might not even imagine. But he's going to work through things that are just so crazy, you know, like 
It might be the littlest things in your life. It might be the most, you know, out there. But he is trying to devour. He's trying to consume in you. He doesn't want you to succeed. You know, what is the purpose of your life? God doesn't you know, God wants to give that to you. The devil doesn't want that. So he's looking around. He's seeing who can possibly, you know, fall for the trap. Who can he devour? That's just crazy. Plenty of times I'm telling you, like, if you think about in the wild, that little, like, gazelle and also doesn't want to believe that there's a lion right there. But it has to. It has to realize the truth that there is something that's attacking, that's trying to, you know, take over their life, wants to kill them and all that. The devil doesn't want to play around. He, he's not, like, trying to mess with you. He's not trying to, like, you know, play hopscotch with you. He wants to take you down. He wants to devour your life. He will throw everything in your way to devour your life. You know? The second thing, the second verse, if you want to look at it, but I just want to read it. It's Ephesians 6, 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, the devil is scheming. You see, we have a strategy. We have a goal. We have a vision and all stuff, right? That's an amazing thing because that, you know, God can give wisdom and all that. But the devil also, he has schemes as well. You know, the devil's been around longer than you've been around. The devil's been around for a long time. And so when he, he actually has strategy plans for your life, he sees, let's say, like, you know, Danelli. This is what I'm going to do with Danelli. You know, so he starts scheming and all that. There's a, a cool book if you might want to look into it. I know Julio, he's into, like, the hardcore philosophy stuff. You can look into the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And it talks about, you know, a, a senior demon talking to a young demon. It's fictional. But it's talking about how can they bring down this one random Christian guy. They, you know, start talking about every little thing they could possibly do. They, they understand. They, they want to do things to destroy your life. It's just not, it is not like it's coincidence type of stuff. You know, if you are dealing with things in your life, and it, not, it might not just be just your own personal choice or whatever, but if you're just dealing with things, like things being thrown your way, temptations, struggles, you know, the inability to do something, it's because, guess what, you are targeted. Now, just to make it like a little light of the subject, but I remember back in the day, like in the 90s, that's when you know, I was growing up, and all that. you guys were like millennial kids and all that. But back in the day, when I, when I started watching wrestling, and before I actually watched WWF, I was watching WCW, I know it was one of the lame ones, but when I was watching uh, WCW, like, I saw out of nowhere like a commercial, like, and, you know, Stone Cold, he had like his little vest jacket, and he had like the bullseye on the back of him, because he was so hardcore that, like, you know, he doesn't, <clears throat> they, Everybody in a Royal Rumble was gonna like target him or whatever, and so he was like making a big deal of it. It's like, yeah, you want to, you want to come and get me? Then go ahead and do it, whatever. And so you know, that's what actually turned me on to WWF. It's kind of funny, but that is what you know. That's what like the devil sees. He sees that you you're trying to be all hard in your life. You're, you're trying to actually succeed in your life. You're trying to be the best in your life. And he says, well, you know what? There's a bullseye on your back. I'm not gonna send just you know 30 people like in Royal Rumble. I'm gonna send a whole bunch of demons and all that stuff. And the Bible talks about legions being thousands of demons. Even one person, thousands of demons. Think about that. That is not a joke. If you think to yourself, I, I don't even know how to you know, combat one demon, imagine thousands of demons. You see, the devil hates it when you believe that he exists. Because then it put things in perspective. I know some of you guys believe in the Illuminati and all that stuff. Like, oh, that's for real, man. You know, like, I got, you know, this is the real stuff and all that. You know, everybody's lying, but you know, that little I thing. Lady Gaga with her thing, and she's talking about her little monsters. And we see, what, what, why is it so important then to know that there's actually a bad thing, the Illuminati actually exists, then, if that were to be the case? Well, because it shows you that there's evil, that there, there's a specific plan to, to overcome things in your life, to, be, to brainwash you, to make you a little slave. You see? 
So that's a good thing to know when actually something is theirs and when there's actually a force behind it. Isn't that true? I mean, some of you guys, I know that I've looked into that, I've looked into the Illuminati stuff, and I know I've talked to everybody here, so you guys all have done it. I don't know about you guys, but maybe you have, maybe you haven't. All right, the fifth point, because we're remembering from last week, the fifth point is this. I hate it when you own up to your sin. Now, the first one was, the devil will tempt you, he'll do things in there, he'll, he'll be the, the driving force. But sometimes, guess what? The devil's not even actually going to tempt you, it's just you just choosing to do something on your own. And I want to give an illustration to you. The Bible says this, that every person is appointed to live once and then to be judged before God. So that's a pretty harsh thing, you know, that's it. You're going to live one time in your life, you're not going to be going around in circles, like, do your next lifetime, you're going to be a caterpillar. You, know, you are going to, you're going to go before God. That's going to be a hardcore thing, because when you go before God, it ain't going to be that little, like, oh, you know, I don't want to be here type of thing. It's going to be like, no, you're here now, and you're going to listen to what I have to say. This is what you did with your life. And so, I'm going to ask you a question. Who's there with you? Does anybody know who's there with you when you're in front of God? No one's there with you. It's just you. It's just you and God. There ain't going to be the devil there. The devil's going to pop on doors like, yeah, this is what I did too. It's like, oh, you devil. And I'm, no, he's going to be like, you did this. You willingly chose to do the sins that you have done. That's it. Don't, don't, be, don't be lying and trying to say, oh, it's just too hard for me and all that. Dude, I have been in that place where I was about to commit one major sin, like sleep with somebody. Just before I did something, just before I was about to go into it, I thought to myself, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do this. I know that I can do it a different way. Or, you know, what about this? What about, like, you know, being pure? Uh, even before I wasn't even saved, I just knew that there were things that I didn't have to do. But those times, it's just like, you know what, I don't care. I want to do this now. I love my sin. I, w I love that kind of stuff. But lo and behold, that's what happens. You own up to your sin. Don't, don't, don't try to lie to it. The devil hates it. When you do, when you're truthful, when you're honest, when you say, yeah, I've messed up. I've messed up in my life. That's, that's just some of the things that I've done. Don't, don't go ahead and do that. So one thing I feel people, like, distracts them from actually, you know, owing up to their sin is that they're stubborn. They're stubborn and they're obstinate. So I'm going to give you two definitions, and this is the beginning of the definition here, okay? I'm going to give definitions, and then, you know, next week I'm going to start giving you, like, Greek words and Hebrew words. It's going to be pretty awesome. But stubborn. So what does stubborn mean? So I know you guys probably have like the street cred one and all that, but stubborn is having or showing dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something, especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so. Now, if you want to use the word dogged and something like that, like trying to like fight you for it and all that, like, I'm trying to take the bone out of the dog's mouth and all that, you know, you're showing a dogged determination to not listen to good sense. You are showing, you know, you don't want to change your position, you want to change your attitude. It's just so hard to talk to you because I'm so set in my ways. You know, like, oh, I can't, I can't tell you that you're, you're sin, you're, you're, you're messed up, you're doing something that's opposing God. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. This is what it really is all about. You're stubborn. Dog, I'm telling you, dog. I, I tried to, like, you know, maybe at like one time, like, you know, because you get curious when your kid, like, touch the food that your dog's eating. What does it do? It bites, right? It's like, ah, I don't know. It's wants to, like, bite you and all that. Unless you raise the dog to not do that, but I know. You just gotta say that. I don't wanna like like oh but me I did that and my dog didn't bite me. So <laughs> maybe these kids out there they don't like trying to do that. So 
that just shows you, man. And it's they don't want to listen to good sense, to good arguments to do so. So that's being stubborn. What about obstinate? So obstinate is a, is a good word. We love to use it. And the Bible talks about people can be obstinate and stiff-necked. So obstinate means stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or chosen course of action despite attempts to persuade one to do so. So it's kind of like stubborn. But stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or even the course of action. Why is that? Why is it that people want to be stubborn? Why is it that people want to be obstinate? Why? I like to say this, you know, obviously people at times, they, they sin because it feels good. Oh, I had sex with that girl because it felt good. I, I smoked that because it was really good and all that, you know. And eventually, it's like this little sin of yours, it becomes like a pet, you know, like a little cat. And you start like stroking the, the, the pet. You're like, I love my sin. My sin is so awesome. You know, like, it's just what it is, you know what I mean? Like, this is where I get it. It's just so good. You don't understand. But then when we talk about a God that is good, we talk about a God that is so powerful and so amazing that, you know, one day in his presence, one day in his courts is better than thousands elsewhere. You're like, what? Get out of my face. Yeah. Why is that? Because sin is deceitful. Sin is going to deceive you. Sin makes you think that it's okay. So when you're doing that, you're like, yeah, this is good. But then you forget about the consequences at the end. So let's be real here, okay? We're in a youth group, so I'm not going to go at, like to the adult level. But everybody here is, you know, 11 to 18 and all that. So what are the things that people do in this age? Have sex, do drugs, go to parties. As if, like, that is what you even are supposed to do. You can't smoke, you can't drink, you can't, you shouldn't even go to parties. You know what I mean? I was talking to somebody on, on Facebook, it was somebody from my old school, and let me tell you something, this is how you know that somebody just doesn't want to get it because they just don't want to listen to you, they're being obstinate, they're being stubborn. I was talking to them about Jesus, what originally happened was, I just, you know, I, I'm like the person who likes to preach on my Facebook, so I'm all like, you need Jesus, you know, on my wall post, <laughs> awesome. and then I guess she saw it because then she put her own little thing, she's like, can you please, like she said, like a random post, like, I hate it when people are like religious and they're telling me to like change my life and all that stuff. So me, because I'm on fire for the Lord, that's what I did. I went to her post, and I'm like, well, you know, I started, like, you know, preaching to her. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's what I did. And so eventually, it got, to the point, it got to the point where I'm saying to her, well, you know, your beliefs are wrong. You're saying that, you know, you can do whatever you want, and then you go to heaven. You say that, you know, you can do things in the eyes of God that are bad, and you're still going to go to heaven. And she's all like, this is her, like, her exact word. She's like, you know what, I know that I'm a bee. You know, that's the, the, yeah. the, the censored version of the word. I'm a bee. Uh, you know, I smoke pot, and I, I drink a nice cold beer after work, and, and on occasion I like to pop shrooms. Um, let me, let me see, can I look at your profile picture? Oh, you have a kid. Oh, you're pregnant right now. You like to pop shrooms, and you smoke pot, and you like to do all those things. Well, those things are illegal now, but you, you, you plan to go to heaven with those things? If I were to say, hey, police, look at that uh, at Facebook, she would, should be going to jail right now. But suddenly now you try to justify it. Somebody comes to your face and say, you know what, what you're doing is wrong. Hey, you know, you don't know me. You don't know the sin I'm doing. It's, it's okay. It's because it's deceived you. It's deceived you. It's put you in a place where you think that it's okay. And it's not okay. Let's be real here for a second. Let's call apples apples. It's not okay when there's sins that you're doing. Don't be stubborn about it. Don't be like, oh, I'm just going to try to spin it this other way. It is serious stuff. Okay? Everybody knows right and wrong. Everybody has conscience. The Bible says that people have a conscience and everybody will be judged according to even that conscience. And because everybody here has been born in America, you guys know the Ten Commandments, which is the law. So therefore, you're going to be judged by the law. Think about that. Yeah. I know I just went there like a whole big, like, 
tyrant, the tyrant lost the tyrant. But you know, I'm telling you guys this because it's important to know that the devil hates it when you actually own up to your sin. He wants you to be entangled in your sin. He wants you to love it. He wants you to take care of it. To think it's the best thing in the world. But guess what? When you realize it, when you own up to it, that's it. The devil's like, oh man, I, that's it. He, he's he's living in freedom now. He's gonna live in freedom now. He's not, you know. Like, he was dealing with masturbation, he was dealing with all these different things. He was dealing with that, and now he's li living in freedom. He's actually starting to live victoriously. You know, what, what we're talking about today, what Milani was, was singing, I got the victory, I got the sweet, sweet victory in Jesus. The devil hates it when you have the victory. When you're living your life, and you're in control of it, and you're saying, man, I don't have to deal with those things anymore. I'm living victoriously. The devil hates that. He wants you to feel condemnation in your life. And so that's actually one of the scriptures. Oh, before that... Just to, you know, to nail the point down, in Numbers 32, 23, it says, But if you fail to do this, and it was talking about a specific thing that the Lord was requiring of them, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be, sh and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Wow. Guess what? Whatever is hidden in the darkness will be brought to the light. Amen. Okay? Whatever you want to rationalize in your eyes, you can live a whole life that will give you away from God. Guess what? It will be brought to the light. Like I said, you all have to face God one day. You will be in front of God, and there ain't going to be nothing there. You're not going to have, like, the equal powers. It's not going to be, like, you know, wrath of the Titans, where you're going to be the Denny God, and you're going to kill Zeus and all that stuff. No, it's not, it's not like that. It's God, and he's more powerful than anything else ever you can imagine. And it's just you. You're his creation. He gave you a life. He gave you a purpose, and then you kind of just toss it away for meaningless things. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. You may be sure of that. And 1 John 1.8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So you see some people say, well, I'm not even a sinner. You know, they don't want to fess up to their sin. Then we deceive ourselves and there's no truth in us. We don't have that salvation of God. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see? So when we actually come up to him and we say to him, man, now, I've messed up. I, I've seen that I've done those things. And you confess him to the Lord. Guess what? He's faithful. He's just. He will see you that you, in your weakness, you can't do anything for yourself. You can't make yourself better. Like a person with AIDS cannot make themselves better, you know. A person with AIDS cannot work out every single day, eat the best food, become, you know, a vegan and all that. And all of a sudden, they're not, you know, without AIDS anymore. No, they will still have AIDS after all that. You still would have sin after all that, but Jesus is the one who leads it, who, who takes it all out. He's the one who makes you white as snow. He, he is the one who cleanses you. That's so awesome. So, point six is, moving on. I hate it when you don't condemn yourself. So now imagine that you, now you confess your sin, but now, instead of actually living in freedom, it's becoming this chain in your life. And you just keep kind of beating yourself up about it. You keep beating yourself up about it. You're like, oh man, I, I had sex with that girl and I lost my virginity when I was like 12 years old or something like that. And I haven't been able, and I will never be pure again. And you just keep beating yourself up and beating yourself up and beating yourself up. Or sometimes it might not be necessarily like a, a sin, but a struggle in your life, a, a like low self-esteem or, or instance like that. See, the devil hates it when you're living in victory, when you're in freedom. But when, when you're condemned, he loves it. You're all wrapped up. You can't, you can't let yourself out. You're, you're, I forgot, I just remember that song right now. You see, 
some people like to say that, you know, you're, you're wrapped up in the things of the world, but I'm wrapped up in the things of God. Yeah. See, I'm all tangled up in Jesus, right? <laughs> so, see, one of the things that I can say, like, if you can go to Romans 8, and if you guys have your Bible, I actually want you to go there. It doesn't seem like anybody has a Bible today. What's going on here? Romans 8, verse 1. It says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Think about that. When you are in God, when you have confessed your sins, when you have said, you know what, I'm done with these sins, I'm done with, you know, being, um, you know, the toy of the devil, I'm done, of, I'm done being like, you know, the little puppet of the devil and the sins of my life. That's it. You, you live a free life. You have no more condemnation. So anybody here who is dealing with those things, who hears the message of God, who hears something like, oh, you know what, you're beautiful in the eyes of God, or you know what, you're pure in the eyes of God, or you can have a righteousness that's not of your own. Yeah, you've messed up before, but you can be righteous in the eyes of God. If you're dealing with that and you're condemning yourself, you're like, no, no, I can't do that. I've messed up too many times in my life. I've messed up. Guess what? The Bible says that you are set free from the law of Christ, from the law of the Spirit of God. See, when I, when I was first saved, I dealt with a lot of things. I lived in a crazy home. My parents were, you know, I just be real here for the sake of it because I know this is a powerful day. And I, I don't want to hold things from you guys, but this is what it is. When I was growing up, my life was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I had the craziest life possible. I'm telling you, man. Like, I, my testimony is a powerful testimony in that, you know, one, I came from a crazy background, and two, I was a crazy person when I became a teenager. So, in my home, there was drugs. Uh, my father had left when I was a kid, so what did my mom do to actually, to, to make the money and all that stuff? Many of you guys don't even know this, but my mom was a prostitute. My mom was a prostitute who was just, you know, doing tricks to, to get the, the money and all that stuff. And we would get kicked from house to house and house and house. I've been evicted two times in my life. I'm telling you, man, the Lord, you know, he, even at those times when I got saved, you know, I, I was dealing with things. My first year of salvation was tough. I, I was dealing with so much. I'm telling you, like, I, I wanted to leave my house. It was so, so crazy, you know, the fighting. My, my brothers got into heavier drugs. My, my oldest brother got into crack. My, my, my second oldest brother got into heroin. He's overdosed a few times, and I've seen him get overdosed. I've seen the ambulance come into our house and do that. I'll tell you, it was tough. But then at the same time, you know, I was acting crazy too. I didn't care. Like, I, I wanted God. At the same time, I wanted my sin still. You know, and so I, after like about a year and a half of being saved, like, I, I backslid. And I got into a relationship I know I shouldn't have gone into. And throughout that relationship, I was like, man, I miss God. But I don't know. I don't want to get out of this relationship. I was just kind of like, I love him, my sin, you know? This, this girl is so much better than God type of thing. And it wasn't the case, but obviously, like, that's what people think. And so I remember... The, the worst thing that happened, possibly, in the relationship was about after two years of being together, we were like planning to like set our lives together. We were like, I was 18, she was 17, and we were about to like, you know, move out. Or, like, I was like living with her at a point, she was living with me at a point or something like that. And what happened was that she got pregnant. And so, obviously, dang, that's like hardcore stuff right there. You get the girl pregnant and you think to yourself, oh man. And I remember, I was like, well, we can't do anything about this. I don't want to tell your mom. I was living with her mom at the time, you know what I mean? So we're like the family there and all that. And her mom was a hardcore, straight-up Catholic. Like, straight-up Catholic. She had a picture of Jesus. She would go to church and all that stuff. But she, she was, like, really into it. She was, like, Christian without being uh, going to the Christian church type of thing. But, you know, and so what we did is we got an abortion. 
And I remember when we, we went to the Planned Parenthood place, I was all like, man, this is how far I've come. Like, I, I thought all those things, like, I went to youth group. I remember I wanted to talk about God. And then when I started to backslide, my friends started not wanting to be around me because they saw that I was being a hypocrite. And so it was just so hard. It was like, man, that's for real stuff, isn't it? You know, I, I was looking, I was like looking around me and all that. She was, she was going and doing it. I was by myself in the lobby, and I was saying to myself, I need Jesus. I need Jesus right now. I need to go back to Jesus. And I, for some reason, a song came to my head from Jeremy Camp is, everywhere you go, you know I'm not far away. You're right here. And so I started thinking about God being right next to me, even throughout that time, because he loved me so much. He wanted me to come back to him. And I'm telling you, after that time, when I gave my, back, my life back to the Lord, and I rededicated my life, of course it was hard for me to condemn myself to say, well, yeah, you know, you know, uh, I, I had an abortion. I'm a killer in the eyes of God. I really did kill somebody. I killed my own child in the eyes of God. I don't know if it would have been a boy or a girl. It was like we just knew and all that stuff. It was just like, you know, the, the little pregnancy test and all that. She had confirmed when she was getting an abortion. It was difficult. It was difficult to get over it. But guess what? The Lord set me free. The Lord set me free from those things. When I came to God and I confessed those sins, when I said, God, will you forgive me for you know, killing my first child? What did, what did God do? He's like, no, you, no, you can't do it. You, you, you're just a sinner. You're so rotten. You're so dirty. Look at how, how messed up you are. You've slept with so many different girls. Your whole family's messed up. You've done this and that. You know better. You used to say that you used to be better than all people. You had all this potential. You wouldn't be like everybody else. But look at you. You're just a statistic in the eyes of the world. Of course I felt condemnation. But God took it away. He set me free from that. He set my feet upon the rock of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about that, you know, going in the presence of God, weeping before Him and saying, God, I've done all these things. It's been so crazy, but will you forgive me? And He's forgiven me. And it's talking about freedom. And it's for freedom's sake that you've been set free. Talk about that. Come on, that's for real. So, look, this is perfect right here. The next scripture verse I want to share with you guys is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. Okay? When you die to yourself, when you say, you know, at the altar of the Lord, when you're saying to yourself, I don't want this anymore. I will repent of my sins. You die to yourself. You say, I'm done with that. I'm done with, I'm done with living like a, the devil. I'm done with, you know, being a Satanist. I'm done with, you know, getting my, the girl pregnant and all stuff. I'm done with sleeping around with different women. I'm done with being manipulative. I'm done with being angry. I'm done with being depressed. I'm done with that. You die to it. That's it. It's gone. The Bible says the Spirit comes into you and gives you a new born-again spirit. Think about that. That's not, I'm talking about, yeah, that's physical and spiritual at the same time. Your spirit was dying before you even met the Lord, and so he gives you a new one. It's like a spirit transplant. Think about that. Isn't that so awesome? I know you guys are like, well, this is really hard to understand, but this is what we're talking about. This is the Bible here, man. You can be set free from all these things. Don't let yourself be condemned. There is no sin that is too great that God will say, you know, oh, I'm going to turn you away. God will forgive any sin, and he will give you victory through all those things. He will not let those be chains in your life. There's nothing in you that God wants you, there's nothing that God wants to own you. God doesn't want sin to be your master. God doesn't want this weapon to be formed against you so that it can actually destroy you. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The Bible says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Think about that. That's the for real stuff right there. 
Amen? Amen. All right, and the last point is I hate it when you become a Jesus freak. <laughs> Just to be perfect about it, okay? You see, now, a lot of the times we like to say that, oh, I got it. I'm living my life out for Jesus, you know, the way it, you know, I'm supposed to. And I know for some of you guys here who are new and all that, like, Maybe you, you don't get it yet, or like you're just barely hearing it for the first time tonight and all that. But what we talked about in the mentor stage is discipleship, what Jesus died for. Okay, the real stuff here is that there was a person in your life before, back in the day, who has died on the cross. But what he died across for is for you to wear like little, like religious, like little, you know, you know, rosary and all stuff. For you to put like a bumper sticker on the back of your car. For you to say, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in. Jesus and all stuff, and then you go and you start cursing at people, you start living like the world. No, Jesus did something. He lived on the earth for a specific reason. He died on the cross for a specific reason. And then so that people can be his. People can follow him. People can live their life for him. That's what's the difference between a believer and, and a disciple. A believer just says, I believe. I believe in all that. Good for you. Demons believe in God. Good for you. But that doesn't make any difference. The Bible says that a disciple is what Jesus desires. Look at this in Scripture. It says in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Then he called the crowd to him along his disciples, with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for, the man, for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. That's for real. So here comes Jesus and he says, if anybody wants to come after me, if anybody wants to say, oh, I'm a, you know, I want to be, I want to go after Jesus, he must do what? He must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow him. You cannot be ashamed of saying, oh, I believe in Jesus and I will live it out for Jesus. Because if you are ashamed of it, if you know, somebody says, oh, I heard that you go to that church. You're saying, no, nah, I'm not going to any church, dude. I'm just like, you know, I'm here doing nothing, you know. I'm actually going to a party this Friday. Guess what? When Jesus comes, when you're in front of God, he's like, hey, you know, you, you were ashamed of me, weren't you? That one time, right? And then he replays it back in your head and you remember, like, yeah. And you're like, so, you know, he looks at you and he's like, you know, I'm ashamed of you. It's a shame to look at you right now. And just as much as you were, you kind of like turning away from the thought of, oh, I'm not a Christian, or oh, I'm not going to that church. He's like, I, I don't want to even see you. And that is an ultimate rejection right there. Because guess what? God created you. He knows everything about you. He's better than any baby mama. He's better than any person that you might get married to. He knows every single thing about you. Think about that. He wants a real relationship with you guys. So the devil will hate it when you become a Jesus freak. The devil will hate that. Because then that means you're, you're going after God. You're doing the things that you're supposed to do. You have a purpose and a plan for your life. You're going after that. And the devil's like, oh, man, now he's actually doing it now. I can't believe that. And what does a Jesus freak look like? Is it like, like I told you, like the person who just comes on Friday and, or like Wednesday. Oh, my God, watch out now. You, you came on Wednesday and on Friday. No, a Jesus freak is a person who's talking about Jesus all the time. People look at them and they're like, what is your problem, man? Can you stop talking about this already? You're like, no, man, I love Jesus. <laughs> That's how it is. Look, I want to actually show you guys a scripture verse here. 
Song of Solomon, verse 8, I mean, chapter 8, verse 6. It says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, as jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot wash it away. If, any, if one were to give all the wealth of, it, of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. You see, when you really love God, I'm telling you, it's like a fire that's blazing so hot. It is like, it is like a, a river that cannot be washed away. It's like so crazy. It is so powerful. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, I love you, and then you're like this, like, really, like, like, blasted, like, I don't care type of thing. Guess what? You're supposed to love God while your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does that look like? Oh, you know, the religious, like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do that type of thing, and I'm, I, I do love him like that. No, you don't. Be for real, man, seriously. You know what it looks like to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? To have, to have a fire, to have a, a love that's like burning fire? You know what it looks like? It looks like a person talking about Jesus all the time. It looks like a person reaching out to their friends all the time. It looks like a person who's not afraid to get into prayer all the time, who's reading their Bible all the time, who's talking about God. Think about that. That's why I actually came to Bible college, because I love the Lord so much. I was like, this is just, you know, you're like, this is what I got to do. I can't do anything else. I love the Lord so much. I love going to His presence. I love talking about Him and all that. I just, I loved it. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to do all that. I wasn't Jesus freak, I'm telling you. I was talking to people on Facebook. People were getting so upset with me. They were like, and then this one guy was like, oh, I, I was, I've been there. You're just really excited right now, but you're not going to, you know, you're going to burn out a few, few months from now and all that. Believe me. Three years later, I'm in Bible college. I'm a youth pastor. I'm going out there to Wells. I'm going out to places like that, talking to people. Come on now, I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm not afraid to go into his presence. I'm not afraid to admit my sins. I don't want the devil to come over here and to own my life. I know the things that the devil hates. I know the things that the devil hates about me. And I know that if I do contrary to that, if I oppose that, if I live my life out the way I'm supposed to, the devil is just going to completely be so upset with me. I'm telling you, he's going to have a bigger bullseye on my back. That's how it's going to be. So I want to ask you guys a question. Who here really wants to do these things? Who here wants to stop being owned by the devil? To giving in to all these different things, to giving in to condemnation, giving in to these sins, giving in to all that. Let's be for real here. You know, I'm not going to go ahead and start talking about, well, let me show you the, the proof of God and all that. No, this is it. This is the preaching. This is the word of God. You have the moment right now to make this choice on whether or not you're going to be a real Jesus freak or whether or not you're going to live your life out for God to the fullest. So that you can make the devil completely just so upset with you. Outrun him. Outfight him. Be a warrior. Standing firm in place so that the devil can't come in and all of a sudden just change your life. That's it right there. Everybody can stand up, actually. No, I keep going, yeah.